Welcome to the Unsweetened SIO podcast. My name is Siobhan Harris. I am a certified integrative nutrition health coach and the founder of unsweetenedsio.com. I gave up all sugar and all flour on January 13th, 2018, and am finally free of my addiction. My mission is to help other sugar addicts find their path to freedom and live the sweet life without sugar. Hi everyone, this is Siobhan Harris of Unsweetened Sio, and welcome to my very first podcast. Today is Sunday, January 13th, 2019, and it's a very special day for me. Today, I celebrate being completely sugar and flour-free for one full year now, and it feels pretty amazing. I am sitting at the coast um, in Oregon, along the Oregon coast here, just looking out at the ocean and really just have been here by myself this weekend, which is so amazing and have just been reflecting back on the past year and my transformation from total sugar addict to now being completely free. And it's pretty amazing. Uh, I'm partly still just in shock that I'm here today. It definitely feels like a miracle I never thought I was going to be able to give up all sugar and all flour. And now I'm at the point where I can't ever imagine adding it back in because I just feel so much better now. And for the first time in my life, just completely free of the addiction that has plagued me pretty much my whole life. So... I thought it was pretty appropriate to do my first podcast today and just be grateful for where I am and that I made it and that I am just looking to the future as getting better and better and better. Now, am I perfect? No, not in the least. However, I've made just some really huge changes this year, and I think being off the sugar and flour has invited a lot of pretty amazing things into my life, too. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about my story, just to give a little background. Um, I'm 39 years old. And for as long as I can remember, I've had a problem with sugar. I didn't realize that it was sugar addiction. I just thought I loved sweets, especially as a kid. And I can remember pretty early on, maybe only being four or five years old and sneaking downstairs before anyone else was up so that I could climb into the cookie jar and eat a bunch of cookies before anyone else woke up. And that's pretty unusual behavior for, you know, a little kid. And I didn't really think much of it growing up. 
we ate some healthy foods for sure, but we also ate a lot of processed foods. And since I was known as the family chocoholic, I definitely devoured a big amount of sweet treats. I loved chocolate, chocolate bars. I loved cookies, cake, brownies, you name it. So I definitely struggled very early on at ever being able to eat sweets in moderation. You know, again, it's so obvious to me now looking back, but at the time, I really think I just felt maybe like everyone was like me or wasn't even aware that this was unusual behavior. You know, another kind of memory I have is going to sleepover parties. You know, I was probably in elementary school and I would go over to my friend's house and we would have these sleepover parties. And of course, like any good sleepover party, we would have lots and lots of snacks. And everyone else would eat, you know, their fair share of snacks. But I would end up binging so much on M&Ms and other candy that I would physically make myself sick. And where there were a few occasions where my friend's mom had to call my mom to pick me up because I was stuck in the bathroom just feeling so sick. So that definitely <laughs> should have been a red flag. But again, I don't think we thought anything of it. And you would think I would learn my lesson the next time and not devour a bag of M&Ms or whatever, but I kept doing it. So this is something that really has lasted, you know, pretty much my whole life. And I would go through different stages of eating well and then not eating so well. When I was probably in middle school is when it first started catching up to me. It was pretty <clears throat> slim as a kid growing up and I was very active. I loved dance and gymnastics <clears throat> and then later I played sports. So I was always really, really active and I think ate a lot of good foods as well. So weight wasn't an issue for me early on, but as I got into like, you know, eighth, ninth grade and was starting to go through puberty more, that definitely changed and I started gaining weight. I had a friend that also really liked to eat a lot of sweets and she started making herself throw up. So I tried this one time, but figured out pretty quickly that I did not like throwing up and making myself throw up wasn't something for me. So I continued to kind of gain weight and probably that was the first time that I was really aware that of my body and that I was gaining weight. Um, maybe a few people commented on it, but nothing really, really mean or devastating, but kind of myself becoming a little more uncomfortable and having an issue where jeans might button or not button, or, you know, I'd have to get bigger sizes and stuff, but I really didn't do anything about it until 
I think my first diet was probably when I was a freshman in high school. And I started with just kind of restricting how much I was eating. And that definitely started the diet binge cycle that lasted decades then, you know, where I would be good for a few days and then I would be bad. And, you know, again, it was never just kind of being able to enjoy these treats in moderation. It was always an extreme of eating none of them or eating all of them. And this cycle lasted through high school, through college, through my 20s, and into my 30s, all the way up until a year ago. So it's just been very, very exhausting. And I've tried so many different things throughout the year, years, once I kind of figured out that something wasn't quite quite right with the way that I was eating sweets so in such a way that was so out of control um, and my weight definitely fluctuated up up and down throughout the years and of course the more and more I dieted it dieted the harder it was to to lose weight when I wanted to. And the older I got, that became more difficult. And I really kind of tried every diet that was available, you know, starting with kind of the fat-free craze when I was in high school. I even experimented with different diet pills that you could buy over the counter that were just you know, supposed to be an appetite suppressant. Um, I remember, remember in college trying Slim Fast and probably trying other appetite suppressant type things that I could find. I remember probably the most the dis- most disastrous diet was uh, a three day protein diet. It was called, and it was basically an Atkins type thing where you ate only protein for three days. I don't even think you could eat any vegetables though. So it was pretty extreme and it was just, you know, only three days. I mean, how hard can that be? And so by, I think the night of day one, I just gave up and ate, you know, every single, um, carb I could find. So (laughs) I don't even think I could get through the first day. You know, it was so hard. I also remember trying sugar busters and Weight Watchers. I did try Atkins when it came out. I tried South Beach diets. I tried different ways of eating, kind of just experimenting with being a vegan for a little bit and then going to the other extreme of being paleo. And this is, you know, probably a 20-year span of just trying all these different diets and all these different ways of eating. And I just became really interested in different diets and nutrition and workouts and would read every single new diet book that came out and every article that came out about, you know, how to lose weight and I just really enjoyed even sometimes reading the book and realizing, yeah, I'm not going to try that. I still just liked having the knowledge. And I remember trying another kind of 
extreme. It was like the Hollywood juice diet where you bought this disgusting, you know, thing container of juice and that's all you had for three days or something. Um, so I definitely tried almost everything and anything that I, that I heard about, you know, one thing that never appealed to me though, was the, the lemon cayenne pepper diet that, uh, in my twenties, I knew a lot of people doing kind of as a detox and that did not appeal to me at all, but I definitely tried a lot of things and experimented with, you know, limiting my calories or counting carbs or points or whatever the diet program suggested. I even worked with a hypnotist in my early 20s. And I remember, I'm not quite sure what the diet was, but, you know, we did some hypnotherapy was involved, trying to figure out, you know, what, what, was I getting from food that was missing from my life? The diet was really low carb from what I can remember. And it was the first time that I was introduced to the concept of ketosis. And that right now, you've probably heard that term. It's really popular right now with the keto diet. And it basically is where your body is burning fat instead of sugar. So I had to drink these packets every morning that she gave me. And honestly, I don't have a clue what was in them, but it was something that helped with that. And then I bought those sticks that you pee on so that you can measure what the ketones are in your body to make sure that you are in ketosis, which I I was. And I believe I did this for a few weeks probably and I did lose weight. It was successful for a little bit of time. Most of the time, these diets would work for a short-term period, but then almost always, or eventually, I would go off diet and then gain all the weight back again, and then sometimes even double the weight back. So, you know, it definitely never found the right fit for me. And then I also was always exploring and looking at different types of workouts. One real positive thing about my journey is that I've always loved to work out. And it's never been totally about losing weight for me. It's always been a big mental part of who I am and just always feeling better, um, after having a good workout and I played, you know, sports and even in college. So I always had a pretty strong workout routine and loved trying different types of workouts. So again, you know, if there was, you know, I tried CrossFit and I tried Orange Theory Fitness and I've done HIIT and all kinds of boot camps, yoga, Pilates, the reformer type of Pilates, um, and really any kind of exercise program, you know, the beach body workout videos, insanity, all those types of things. And again, I enjoy doing the workouts, but I never saw a huge difference in my body from the workouts alone. 
And I know that they say 80% of weight loss comes from nutrition and only 20% is exercise. And I sometimes feel that for myself, that number is actually closer to like 98% of nutrition for me um, and only 2% exercise. But that doesn't bother me nor stop me from exercising because it's much more for my sanity than it is for my vanity. I just know that I feel better when I'm working out. And even when I was overweight and not feeling very good about my body, if I could get a workout in, it immediately made me feel better. So I definitely have tried many different types of workouts, but realized again that that wasn't the key to all of this, you know, it wasn't that I was going to find some magic workout that made me stop wanting to eat sugar. In my 20s, I was diagnosed with polycystic ovary syndrome in my late 20s, and I knew that I wanted to treat that naturally, you know, right away, my options were either getting back on birth control or trying metformin and I just didn't want to do anything medical like that. So I decided to work with a naturopath and try different supplements and I, you know, started eating a little. That's probably I was about 28 and it's when it really opened my eyes to eating more whole foods. And I would say over the course of the next 10 years then, starting with trying to treat my PCOS naturally, which is polycystic ovary syndrome. I don't know if I said that, but if you don't know what that is, it's a hormonal imbalance that makes it really difficult to get pregnant, um, but it also can cause some pretty nasty symptoms and it also can cause insulin resistance. So, you know, once I was diagnosed, I kept thinking, okay, well, this makes sense. It's, you know, these urges are related to my PCOS. And so I really committed to trying to have a healthier diet and probably took, you know, over the next 10 years, again, more research any kind of book of nutrition that came out, I started reading it. I tried the whole 30 and felt terrible after 30 days. I was so bummed because mostly everyone else in my CrossFit gym that I belonged to at the time that was also doing it had these like amazing results after day three or five. And I just wanted to vomit pretty much the whole time. And as soon as I got to day 30, had a huge, you know, piece of cake and then probably binged for the next six months before I felt like I could get it back under control again. And I also, around this time, as I was exploring eating healthier whole foods, was looking at maybe I have binge eating disorder. Uh, I think that was starting to become a term. I mean, I knew I didn't have bulimia because I like to binge, but I did not enjoy throwing up. And I started 
trying to do some treatment around that, working with a therapist and different counselors, nutritionists geared towards that binge eating disorder. And the treatment for that really is trying to change your relationship to food, you know, so you're not eating emotionally, which is, was helpful because I definitely was doing that. But then it also was about making sure that no food was off limits. So you could basically eat whatever you wanted to and had to tell yourself, I can eat that whenever I want. I can choose to eat a piece of cake now, but I don't have to because I can eat it anytime I want. And kind of changing your mindset around food that way. So there was no good or bad. It was just eating in moderation. And this to me is like my ultimate goal. You know, I just aspired so much to be that normal eater of someone that could look at a plate of cookies that just came out of the oven and say, huh, I could eat that, but yeah, no thanks. I think I'll wait. The problem was that I never said no to a plate of cookies, especially right out of the oven. And I never could eat just one. It would, I'd have to eat the entire plate of cookies. And then if I did manage to maybe put some away for later, you know, maybe an hour after eating those first few cookies, my mind would start with that, well, when are you going to have another one? Should you have that now? Are you going to have it later? Ooh, maybe you should get some ice cream and put some ice cream between cookies. That sounds good. So it was kind of this mental battle going on too, where so much of my day was taken up by thinking about food. And if I was going to be good today, if I was going to be bad, and when I was going to get my next fix, you know, I definitely had problems where I would not be able to be present in whatever moment it was with whether I was with family or friends because I'm already thinking about what can I eat next and especially if I was going out to a restaurant you know it should be more about the people that you're at the restaurant with where for me it was all about the food and I would even say that sometimes on like going on trips or outings like For me, I couldn't wait to figure out what I was going to eat. And sometimes I still enjoyed, of course, the company and wherever I was going. But sometimes the food took um, control over the whole experience. And it's it was just really, really exhausting. And so, you know, I'm trying these different therapies, um, you know, trying to eat more and tweak my diet and definitely throughout my 30s, my diet changed a lot. I was starting to choose organic grass-fed meats, you know, organic fruits and vegetables. I was reading labels, you know, not consuming high fructose corn syrup and except, of course, when I was binging on whatever I was binging on. But then even toward my later 30s got even more You know, I could start tasting like I'd get a cookie from the grocery store and could taste the chemicals in it. You know, my taste buds had been changing with over the 10 years of trying to eat healthier food. So then I'd have to make my own 
own cookies and make my own cakes so that, you know, I knew the quality ingredients that were going into it. Or I'd, you know, eat more organic, high quality dark chocolate versus the Twix bars or Milky Ways that I used to eat. But I still ate it one way or another and just struggled with this, you know, all the way through. Um, I was able in my, when I was 34, I had my son. And when I was 35, I had my daughter. They're only 19 months apart. And having my son was a very long journey. It took several years with some miscarriages before we were able to have my son. And then kind of a totally different experience with my daughter where I was my son hadn't even turned one years old and I haven't had my first period yet. And I found out I was pregnant with my daughter without really even trying, you know, where with my son, I'd been trying and doing the ovulation predictor kits and temping and all the different things that you do. And so it was two totally different experiences of, oh, this is, you know, with my daughter, I thought, oh, this is how most people get pregnant, you know, without really even trying. So um, anyway, that changed a lot of my eating habits as well. I wanted to eat healthier during pregnancy and when I was nursing, but I was experiencing, especially when I was nursing, I was I exclusively breastfed both of my kids and just had these crazy sugar cravings and just remember feeling so hungry. Um, and with both of them. And I just, so I, I, I try to fight them and I'd feel so guilty about it, but I just could not fight the cravings. There was just not enough willpower in the world when I would have these cravings. And I kind of explained it to my husband as it's like a, a switch is turned on when I'm in binge mode. And that's what I would just say to him. My switch is on. It doesn't matter. You know, it just, there's nothing I can do when the switch is turned on. You know, I would try to have my healthy meals and eat them, but nothing appealed to me. You know, usually like I love simple meals and one of my favorite meals is just like a baked organic chicken breast with a little bit of sweet potatoes and some broccoli um, and a salad or something. I mean, that to me is a meal that I usually love. But when I'm in that, when that switch was turned on to binge mode, I could not even look at that chick, that same meal. I maybe eat a few bites, but then just move on to basically eating, you know, some kind of sweets or something like pizza. And it was just terrible. And sometimes that switch would be on for a few weeks. And then one day it was, I'd wake up and be able, it was just off and I could go back to eating healthy again. It was just so frustrating. And I didn't really know anyone else like me that was having these, you know, um, extreme cravings, I guess. At first, I kind of thought everyone was like that. And as I went throughout my life, I realized, no, no, you know, that's, this is, something's definitely wrong with me. You know, what is wrong with me? Why can't I just be normal? I just, 
beat myself up so much and really was so sad sometimes because I tried and was willing to try so many things and I can't even monetize how much money I must have spent in this effort. I mean, I just tried so many different programs and therapies and alternative treatments and vitamins and supplements and whatever and, you know, just spent all this money trying and being willing to try this or that and nothing working. It was just so infuriating and so painful and so sad. And that kind of leads me to last fall. So probably, you know, around September, October of 2017 and just being at a pretty low point, you know, my um, kids were a little bit older at that point, you know, right now they're five and three. So they were probably about, you know, two and four. And, you know, I was finished nursing, I knew I was done with having kids, and I wanted to do something for me. I just thought this is the time that I finally figure this out. And uh, about a year before that, I even became a certified integrative nutrition health coach through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, IIN, based in New York City. I did their one-year online program. So I had my health coaching certificate and was coaching people and felt like a hypocrite in telling them, you know, not to eat sugar and then, you know, downing a bag of M&Ms at night or having cookies or whatever. So I, you know, become a health coach, hoping to find that missing piece of the puzzle. And although I learned a lot and really, really loved the experience, we didn't talk about sugar addiction. You know, we talked about emotional eating and binge eating disorder. And there was a speaker that I really loved about binge eating disorder. So I contacted her and did some one-on-one therapy with her. And it still just didn't seem to that that was my you know, underlying problem. I knew I had some disordered eating, but I think I knew in my gut that I was addicted to it, but I didn't want to say it out loud. And sugar addiction is tricky because there, it's not clinically recognized right now. So for whatever reason, and I I don't understand when there's been so much evidence to point to it definitely being, you know, sugar being as, as addictive as drugs and many people that are recovering drug al- drug addicts or alcoholics that even say it feels exactly the same and that sometimes giving up sugar was harder than giving up cigarettes or alcohol or heroin or whatever. So I definitely think that it's addictive and you know, if if it's not recognized now, that's okay. I do think that it will be soon. I know there's a lot more research going into it, and I hope that someone like me coming forward and sharing my story can help inspire more studies about it because I just think that there's so many people suffering out there, and if this was more formally recognized, there would be so much 
so many more people that could receive treatments. Um, I know for me, reading that this wasn't something that was true or formally recognized gave me hope that, okay, maybe... Maybe I'm not a sugar addict. Okay, there's research that shows that's not possible. Okay, so good. All I have to do is eat in moderation. And it just kept feeding that dream that I could be this normal eater and be able to eat and enjoy sweets in moderation. And that was, again, my ultimate goal. I didn't want to give up sugar. I didn't want to give up flour. I wanted to be able to eat in moderation. So you know, kind of a last ditch effort. I read that intuitive eating book and found a local woman in my area that was an intuitive eating coach and mentor. So we met up a few times and, you know, again, that it it talks about how food addiction isn't possible. And that again, you just need to kind of It was very similar to the treatment for binge eating disorder as far as being able, allow yourself to eat everything in moderation. And again, I really think that that works for most people. And I think there's a big number of people out there that might have eating disorders and this type of treatment works really well for them. But I do think that there are people like me that are addicted to sugar and eating in moderation is going to fail every single time. And so I tried, I failed. And again, at this point, just felt so miserable. Again, this is now around the fall of 2017. And yet another thing that I've tried that didn't work and just feeling so down. And I kept thinking about, okay, my 40th birthday is coming. You know, I'm 38 And I don't want to live like this for the rest of my life. I was already, you know, feeding the kids a very healthy diet and being very limited in what kind of sugar I gave them. And here I was still at night after they'd gone to bed eating ice cream or cookies or whatever. And I knew that I wanted to be a better example for them. So that definitely was, you know, one of my motivating factors. But it also was just not wanting to live the rest of my life like this. And at this point, I was probably the highest that I've ever been weight-wise. I hadn't weighed myself. Um, probably the last time I was weighed was when I had my my daughter in the hospital because That will be another podcast when I talk about scales and how I don't think we should weigh ourselves because it's not the best overall indicator of our health. So I don't weigh myself, so I have no idea, you know, what I was weighing. I just know from clothes that I was probably at one of my highest weights of all time and just feeling the lowest, one of the lowest points that I've felt. And... I just didn't want to go into my 40s feeling that way. And I was really scared of, you know, getting older and older. And I knew the older I got, the harder it was going to be to lose this weight. And it was just a battle I didn't want to continue living through day to day to day to day. And I was looking as I, you know, would here and there. And I found an article online 
um, by Chris Gunners on healthline.com and it talked about food addiction and it was nothing that I hadn't read before, but it was presented in a way that just got right to me. And I just thought he's right. This is it. This is me. I am a food addict. And in the article, he was a recovering drug addict and was one of those people that said giving up sugar was harder than it was to give up drugs. And he said, you know, moderation works for plenty of people, but if you're an addict, it's gonna, it's, it doesn't work. You have to be abstinent and you have to be completely abstinent forever. Again, just like an alcoholic, they're not going to be able to have a sip of wine or a sip of beer without that causing some kind of binge. And that totally made sense to me. You know, here with the binge eating disorder therapy, it's trying to tell me, you know, I can eat in moderation. And I just thought, okay, that's like trying to tell an alcoholic, they just need how to learn how to drink in moderation. It's just not going to happen. That's not the way our brains are wired, unfortunately. So I read this article, I've saved it on my phone, and I just kept reading it the next few days. But I definitely went through this grieving process process of, but I don't want to give up all sugar. I don't want to give up all flour. Because in the article, um, and groups like Food Addicts Anonymous will say, you know, you really do have to give up all the sugar, all the flour. That includes natural sweeteners like honey, agave, maple syrup, you know, all the gluten-free flours too. Um, I, I, you know, I still was able to eat fruit, um, but all the other stuff had to go. Even, you know, artificial sweeteners, even things like stevia had to go. And that was terrifying for me. Um, so it took, you know, I had this grieving process of a few months of really having to come to terms with one, this is true for me. I'm a sugar addict. I need to give up all sugar and flour and I need to do it forever. And two, I had to come to terms with the role that sugar has played in my life for so long of being kind of a friend as far as who I turned to when, you know, times were tough and how I kind of numbed the pain of a hard day or took the edge off, you know, I, that sugar was my drug. So I really had to just kind of take a few months and really just let that sit, sit and settle. And, you know, of course, like I've done many times before, but I I made a pro-con list of, you know, why should I give up sugar and flour? Why shouldn't I? And really, you know, there was no reason not to except that sugar tastes good. I mean, let's face it, there is no nutritional benefit to eating sugar. We eat sugar because it tastes good. You know, if you take sugar out of your diet, you are not missing any essential vitamins, um, No one needs sugar. It just tastes delicious. And so I finally kind of wrapped my brain around, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. And I realized, too, I couldn't just, you know, say I'm going to do this for a month or two months or three months. I knew 
I've tried that before and it hadn't worked. So I knew I had been addicted to sugar for 38 years and change wasn't going to come overnight. You know, as much as I wish it would, it wasn't going to happen. So I decided I was going to commit to a full year, a full year. And if by the end of that year, I did not see any changes, you know, I could just binge myself into Bolivian forever and forever, amen, and would just have to learn how to live with it, you know, just being overweight and just, that was just me, you know. So I decided, I looked around and I tried to find some kind of um, book or program that would support me. And I know that there are 12-step programs out there, um, and I looked into them, but it just didn't appeal to me. A lot of them have you measuring food, and I didn't want to have to worry about measuring food. Um, I didn't enjoy, I didn't click with the 12-step process part of it. I know it works for a lot of people, and that's great, but I couldn't find a program or a book or a blog that really spoke to me. I wanted, you know, I've read people that give up sugar and 10 days later feel amazing. Well, that's not me. I wanted to hear from someone like me that was a sugar addict and hear, you know, how hellacious (laughs) it was because I wanted someone else to be miserable with me in a sense of, you know, not seeing those benefits right away. And so I couldn't find anything and I just decided I am going to create my own. You know, I am going to write my own book. I want to create this companion guide. So every single day for 365 days, I am going to write about what I'm eating, what I'm feeling, my victories, my challenges, whatever's going on, any epiphanies that I might have, you know, etc., etc. Just thinking there's nothing like this that I could find anyway out there. And I think other people might benefit from this. And then that became a huge, huge motivator that I all of a sudden had this, you know, group of people that were future group of people that are going to be reading this book depending on me. And that really helped create some accountability um, because I decided not to go with a program, it, I knew it was going to be a lonely, lonely journey. And, you know, I didn't have a community around to support me. But I did in this, you know, community that I created around my future book. And so, of course, I thought I was going to try, you know, January 2nd, 2018 to to start it. But then of course that date didn't work. So why don't I start on Monday or the next day or the next day? Anyway, of course I didn't end up actually starting until January 13th, 2018. So one year ago, and here I am one year later, and I feel like I am sugar and flour free and free from my addiction. You know, I still have cravings once in a while, but not nearly to the degree that I used to or the intensity that I used to. And I honestly do not think about food at all. You know, an example is here I am at the beach this weekend by myself. And that's such a rare opportunity, you know, for 
a mom with two kids. And I probably would have geared this whole weekend around what I was going to binge on and go to the store and buy all my favorite foods. And instead, here I am just enjoying the beach, eating my healthy meals and living in the moment. You know, it's just such a different way of thinking. And I am so, so grateful to be here. And so, just like I said in the beginning of this podcast, I feel like it's a miracle in some ways because I never, ever thought that I would actually be able to do it. And yet here I am. And I do think a big piece for, of that for me was giving up all the flour and all the sugar completely. You know, before I had been gluten-free and kind of sugar-free, but I might still eat like a 70% piece of dark chocolate or whatever. But, you know, through this year, I definitely have identified the different trigger foods and things that I had. And I think the big difference was just being off of it completely. And so I did have cravings for a while and it was super, super hard, but I did it. I stuck with it. And now that I got to the year, I can't imagine ever, ever, ever going back. So this podcast is going to be just more stories about my journey, about things that I've learned. I'd love to have speakers on in the future and interview people, maybe other people that I've given up sugar, but also other people in the medical industry that are um, starting to research and look at sugar addiction as a real thing. You know, I just want to keep that conversation going because I just feel like there's so many people out there that are being treated for different symptoms of sugar addiction, but not for sugar addiction itself. So they're not going to get better. And I am just here to tell you that even though it is terrifying, and trust me, I remember how terrifying it was to think about giving up all sugar and all flour, life is so much sweeter on the other side than it ever was with having sugar and flour. So I don't feel deprived. I don't count calories or worry about my how many carbs I'm eating or my portion sizes. I really feel like once I got started, this was kind of the easiest thing that I have ever done. And I definitely know that it's right for me because of that, because it's just going to be a lifestyle change now. And I'm not saying that my path is the path for everybody. I do think there's not one program or diet or workout that is the magic fix for everybody. I just want to share my story in hopes of inspiring other people to be able to find their own path. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. And remember... Life is so much sweeter without sugar. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.